the world champs have their rewards. As we add to our collection, the 2021 World Series Pinnacks. And now 2022 is off and running. Welcome to the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, who will be on the ground with the team for pretty much every game and every road trip this season. And Justin, at least now, the Braves don't have to wait until August to get above 500. Yeah, it uh, it only took three games this year, and it took them 111 last year. So uh, it's always good to eclipse that <laughs> that mark, especially early on. Coming up, we will dig into what we've learned in this first four-game series. We'll break down the rest of the division. We've got our winners of the week and what to expect as the Braves' homestand continues on Monday. If you've not done so yet, please subscribe or follow this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to help us grow this show. This is the Braves Report, presented by Kroger. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Justin, first off, I love what Snit had to say about the rings. You know, I like the A. I mean, anytime, you know, the NL National League champion rings from years ago, that one, you know, that A in the middle to me is just really special. This ring, I could go on and on. I mean, just, uh, you know, it's like everything is something in that ring. Everything has a uh, meaning, and which I think is really cool what they did and how they did. I'm really in, too. I'll probably go home tonight and you know, get under a nice light and put my glasses on and look at it closer. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it actually, I tell you what, honestly, it's, you know, in the right situation, it's wearable. It's <laughs> Now, yeah, now, I, I, there, there's a lot of things that probably in my thought process wouldn't have happened if I was. That's why they said they didn't want me helping design that thing. <laughs> we, we were joking with you yesterday about the pearl, but uh, I, I think it's really cool. I mean, and, you, and inside the band, there's a, a red sword. I mean, there's something significant. Everything in that ring has some significance to our year last year, whether it's how many, di you know, then 44 diamonds, the four rubies for the four world championships, the, I think, uh, 705, maybe there's 755 diamonds, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of Hank in that ring, which is really cool, which is, you know, just the way it should be. Uh, first of all, that thing was uh, enormous, and the LED lights may have, been a bit obnoxious but highly impressive but did you get to touch the ring uh not only did i get to touch the ring i got to try on the ring so i was actually <laughs> i had done a um i for a story i did today on how they put the lights in there and the process of that um derek schiller the uh, president and ceo of the braves um let me try on the ring let gabe burnt colleague gabe burns and i try on the ring and it was a. Uh, Maybe my expectations were just too too massive for the weight. It wasn't as heavy as I expected, but it had a lot of weight to it, and it was just a it was it was an absolute unit. So yeah, it's uh <laughs> it it's gonna that thing's gonna require its own bed in every player and coach and staff member's home. 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't know when you get to wear it, so I guess you might as well just put it to bed because that thing was highly impressive. But that's pretty much it now. All the all the fix. Well, the fans I guess get their uh, replica copies on on Monday for those that go to the game. But now all that's over with. Time to get down to business in 2022. The Braves never went on opening day, so that was no surprise on Thursday. But the season's first four games is split against the rebuilding Reds. Atlanta gets uh, undone by a rough third inning on Sunday, and Ian Anderson had been complaining about a blister at the end of spring training, and he had traffic on the bases all day long. Honestly, I just think it's, you know, getting more innings under his belt this spring a little bit. I mean, um, and, he's you know, he's, he's going to have to, you know, and I think the command will come with with that, and as far as, the, and especially fastball command, you know, because he's, he's almost like got a, he, he's shown him a lot, he's giving him a lot of looks at his put-away pitch. Because I think the lack of fastball command. What did you see on Sunday? Yeah, it was. I mean, he couldn't command his fastball. Ditched it uh, pretty early. Um, he thought he threw some good changeups and breaking balls, but um, two of those five walks, he had the guy, you know, at, at one and two, um, and lost him, which was actually a problem he had uh, during a spring start in Fort Myers, kind of a blow up start uh, a couple weeks back. But look, he only kind of as Snit alluded to. Ian Anderson only threw eight innings this spring. Uh, he was limited in his final tune-up uh, because of that blister on his toe. Um, he said subconsciously, you know, that could have affected his delivery. His velocity was a tick down. All of this, to me, seems to point to a guy still ramping up. Uh, I'm not sure. It's, you know, concerning because you'd like to see him perform well out of the gate, sure. But to me, it points to somebody who just needs, you know, as you know, Snit said also, you know, needs another start or two um, to, to kind of figure things out. And he's still a young guy. Like, he's still, you know, basically a season and a half um, in the big leagues, uh, came up in 2020, has been thrust into a ton of situations, big situations early in his career. Um, so he's really still trying to find himself. But today specifically, you know, in, in Sunday's game, the finale, amazingly he got through two innings unscathed and then you know was undone yeah. you know in that in that third inning um but to me you know the the key stat being you know he throws 74 pitches only 39 of them were strikes uh five walks he's only done that you know only walked five two other times in his career um once in the postseason um and once in the regular season and let me give you this because this surprised me the one time he had walked five guys in the postseason was against the Dodgers. Given those two things, you would not think that he, one, completed four innings, and two, completed four scoreless innings while walking yep. five against the Dodgers. But he you know, did it again today, didn't get out unscathed this time. Um, looks like he just needs another couple starts. Uh, he seemed pretty frustrated. He's usually pretty calm. Um, it, but he, he seems to think it'll just be something where he, he kind of gets going, just needs to feel it out a little bit and find himself. One of the things we want to do with this podcast is to, to not – not totally get wrapped up in the in the day-to-day ebbs and flows of a baseball game because each day, you know, you never what you're gonna know what you're gonna get between one starting pitcher to the next, but try to take a big picture view every week or every few days when we do the show. And and you'll hear me say this a lot over this podcast that that I believe in baseball, you don't really know who your team is until Memorial Day. So no panicking until Memorial Day. We've only got four games so far, and even Dansby Swanson said it's going to take a while for even this group, the defending champs, to find their identity. You know, I think that that's something that we're going to have to find out bit by bit. Uh, You know, no team is the same, even if you have the exact same guys. I feel like 
you see it throughout sports all the time. It's a, it's always a huge challenge depending on, you know, no matter if you were successful the year before or you weren't, uh, there's new challenges uh, that lie ahead. And, you know, I think that bit by bit we'll start to see um, the identity of this team. But the beautiful thing is that we have a lot of guys that have been together for a while now. So we understand uh, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, and understand how to continue to come together and, and prepare to win. And that's why I think it makes this team so special is because that's what we do night in, night out. Only four games to go off of so far. What have you learned? Um, I've learned that the offense is going to be very good. Uh, they Again, they scored, you know, I know they lost two games. Um, and, you know, they scored 15 runs in four games. Uh, they probably should have scored more if you watched the games and looked at how hard some of those balls were hit. Uh, especially on opening day, um, they scored, you know, three runs, I believe it was. And I think I remember counting at least four or five outs they made that were hit uh, at at least 100 miles an hour. Um, so in terms of that, the the kind of the numbers and the metrics, they they look good. Uh, this lineup's going to be pretty good. Um, there were a couple times this series where the Braves really didn't look like they had anything going, and then boom, you know, a single, a walk, a single, you know, and then they, I mean, I think the lineup is going to be very good again, um, you know, and I know it's the Reds and they are rebuilding, um, so we'll see how they fare, you know, the Braves fare against better pitching. Uh, we're not really going to learn that in this next series because the Nationals uh, aren't a great pitching staff. Um, but yeah, and I think the Braves defensively are just, you know, going to be just fine again. Like they're going to be good. Uh, the infield looks great. Uh, in terms of outfield defense, you know, they might struggle a little bit, uh, in left until, you know, Acuna comes back and then they can shift things around. Um, but everything looks pretty solid so far. Uh, and then, I mean, the pitching staff. Um, what we learned there is, is like you said, I, I'm a big believer in you don't know until a month or two in, um, even three. And even as we saw last year, things can change after that. The, Didn't even know until, until August. Right. Yeah, seriously, 111 games in precisely. Uh, and so, you know, you don't know what you have. You're encouraged by Kyle Wright. Um, you know, you're kind of waiting and seeing on Ian Anderson. Max Freed was undone by a lot of soft contact. Uh, Kenley Jansen had kind of a tough inning that he, he probably pitched better than the line indicated. Um, and so, you know, there, there was a lot of good, um, from the pitching staff, especially the starting pitchers, um, minus Anderson. Uh, so I think, you know, if you're looking at that, you, you're pretty encouraged. One thing I learned is the Reds may have a stud, um, and Mr. Green. Yes, uh, that they do. Um, you know, when, when you come up to the big leagues and you probably don't know what to expect, the nerves are probably racing, um, your mind is probably racing. It's not a bad start to uh, strike out Matt Olson and Austin Riley back-to-back in your first big league inning. Um, and he had him, you know, he held the Braves without a hit through a few innings. He is going to be very good. I know... Everybody has been talking about him really since they announced he was going to debut here um, in the series finale, uh, and that was weeks ago. So the hype has been building for years, really, uh, yeah. and he he lived up to it. I mean, he looks like a good one, um, but, you know, they got to him, and, uh, you know, Matt Olson took a 101-mile-an-hour fastball, you know, into center field, so, uh, you know, uh, over the fence. And so I think um, 
I think it was it was funny to see though because yeah, you don't you have all the video on him, but you've never seen him on a big league mound, and uh, he did not disappoint. What what appears to be kind of the biggest headline for me from from this first four games is the the bullpen getting off to a bit of a rocky start, but. Uh, Colin McHugh and Brian Snicker both are not totally surprised by that. Just a quick bit. Snit was saying yesterday that he thinks that guys, you know, in the bullpen just haven't had time like they usually do to, to kind of build up. Do you do you think guys are maybe dealing with some of that still trying to ramp up because of the condensed spring training? Uh, potentially. I mean, listen, it's, it's the first week of the season, so I'm, I'm hesitant even in a, in a completely normal year to, to sure. read too much into anything. Um, but, yeah, I would assume probably – that until we get to about about a month or even a month, even even two months in, we're probably all going to be about two weeks behind, which is where we're okay. where we would normally be. You know, we talk to them every day to see. I want them to be honest with us. You know, if they're sore, need a day, that's good. You know, we're looking at this thing for six months, not a weekend. So, um, you know, we have a somewhat of a plan. We have a plan, and that if they do this or that, then they're going to get a day or two off. So. Um, we have to look at the big picture and the long haul um, in doing that, and that's one of the reasons why it's good that we have all you know the two added pitchers and the staff to help you to get everybody where they're where we want them to be. They may not quite be as sharp yet, um, but there certainly is a lot of them that make you feel comfortable when they're on the mound. Oh yeah, for sure, and I think that to me, that's why I wouldn't be I wouldn't be concerned because of what we talked about. It takes time in a baseball season, especially with your bullpen. Uh, and even then, look at a couple of those brave relievers last year, um, Will Smith being one of them, that had really, you know, pretty kind of rough seasons um, at certain points and then turned it around in the playoffs um, and became the unit they did. I, yeah, I don't think I don't, I'm not really concerned just because you have a guy like Kenley Jansen um, and then a guy, you know, that pushes Will Smith down. I know they lost Luke Jackson, but you've still got Tyler Matzik. You still got A.J. Minter. You still got Colin McHugh. And oh, by the way. The, you know, the the guy who was drafted not even two calendar years ago, who you included on the opening day roster, happened to fire, you know, he throws triple digits and he happened to throw two scoreless innings the other day. Um, so that that encourages you too. I think that's what I think the biggest thing, even more than the expanded rosters, is just the quality depth the Braves have um, surpasses the depth of a lot of other teams. They just have so many quality arms. Uh, that until something goes very, very awry, I personally, you know, I'm going to put stock in that and and would trust them to kind of figure things out as they get back up to speed. The Praise Report is brought to you by Kroger, and we've got one more big event, one more big holiday to check off here in April. Of course, that's Easter next weekend. So fill up your Easter basket with deals at your local Kroger store. Save 30% on Easter essentials, plush toys, housewares, decor, and more. So if you've not picked up your Easter candy yet, still have to decorate those eggs or get Justin's Easter basket for the annual AJC Easter egg hunt, visit your local Kroger store today or shop online at Kroger.com slash Easter. We talked in our season preview podcast about the, the your biggest concern you had was the depth. And I know a lot of fans have been somewhat alarmed when, the, when they see uh, the current designated hitter spot at the moment. Is that coming to light now, your fears about this team's depth in the first month of the season? No, no, not really. Sorry, I was I was still thinking about the Easter candy you mentioned, but uh, yes. but now I'm back onto the designated hitter. No, I think um I think Alex Dickerson they were really happy with uh kind of the balls he barreled up and and put in play 
Uh, even if they were caught, I think he probably had somewhat of an unlucky weekend. Um, I think, you know, even the day they put Orlando Arcia in there, uh, he had, you know, a great ball game, um, drove in a run, um, and, you know, got in the hit column too. Uh, so I think really they they just have to hold serve if you think about this. Look at the calendar. If everything goes to plan with Ronald Acuna, they just have to hold serve for, you know, now a month or so. And so I think uh, my biggest fears would not be coming to light uh, quite yet because I think the I think the offense has performed well enough and the lineup's been there um, enough in these games. Uh, whereas I think Alex Dickerson has had some good at bats. Um, Orlando Arcia gave you some. We'll see if William Contreras can get in there and, and have some nice at bats too as you know the month of April goes on. Um, but I do think that if you know if if somebody like Marcelo Zuna starts stops hitting, then I think it becomes you know if a couple of your top hitters stop hitting, I think it then becomes really tough because you're going to need something out of that designated hitter spot, and they just don't have the depth you know there I mean I think um, they're just gonna have to keep rotating guys in and out what does help them with their overall bench depth is the designated hitter itself because now they're not having to use bench bats to hit for pitchers Um, and so I think that really this roster the depth in terms of that you know the position player depth might look a lot worse you know in last year but I don't think this is too big of a concern yet because if I'm the Braves I like my lineup you know, pretty much one through nine, uh, even if I don't get a ton out of that DH spot results-wise. I mean, Alex Dickerson's had some nice at-bats. But I like, you know, I like my chances, especially because my top hitters right now, if I'm the Braves, Matt Olson, you know, Austin Riley, they're they're hitting. And Marcelo Zuna is hitting well. Um, and Brian Snickers said yesterday that he's a guy that really can carry them if he gets hot, um, can carry you for a period of time. And so I, I like enough of that lineup where I don't feel like the designated hitter spot, especially because it's hit, you know, ninth, seventh. I don't think that's crucial enough for me to be scared just yet. Opening day, of course, got off to a bit of a noisy start uh, with uh, Ron Lacuna's interview about Freddie Freeman, which he tried to clear up later that day. Uh, to be honest, I think it was just uh, exaggerated and blown out of proportion. Um, by the media, um, I just simply talked about just some things that you know that occurred during the 2018 season, and I just think it was completely taken just out of uh, it was just blown out of proportion. Do you do you feel like you and Freddie had did have some conflict here though during your rookie year? Yeah, I mean, not not really. I, I think uh, that was just, but that's all in the past, right? That's something that, that took place a long time ago, and we've all moved past it, and I'm over it. And uh, instead of talking about the reigning world champions, we're here talking about these things. Of course, that's Acuna speaking through the team's interpreter there. Is this the story was hot on uh, Thursdays? Is it going to be a thing or is it over? Uh, I think it's over. I mean, it'll blow over, especially, um, you know, I, I just don't think one, there's already enough steam in that Dodgers Braves matchup uh, for April. And then the next one, you know, in Atlanta that, I don't think this needs to be a part of it. And two, I think people will realize this was just, it it was in a way blown out of proportion because, you know, especially if you're not a native Spanish speaker, you don't know the tone. You don't know as much of the context. And even in the incident he described, he didn't even name Freddie Freeman um, specifically in that. And it was just, it came up in conversation. And look, from my point of view, um, I just think, you know, if we're going to ask players to be honest and transparent, 
then we shouldn't set the parameters in which they do so. Um, and so it feels weird to knock a guy for, you know, he was just being honest. I don't think he said anything bad. He didn't say anything wrong. Um, <laughs> and look, sure, they were talking about, as he said, they were talking about that on opening day instead of the reigning world champs. But I think that one blew over, you know, pretty quickly. And I don't think it has to be um, a thing anymore. It doesn't need to be made out to be... Um, you know, the narr- a continuation of a certain narrative about Acuna. It doesn't need to be made out to be anything else. I think I think this one can just be put to bed. Um, yeah, but no, it was, I, I thought, you know, he was um, at least approached it and was, you know, I was grateful he was there at his locker for us. Uh, and I think, um, you know, he he handled it. And so I think it, I think it can be over now. So now we can talk about Ronald Acuna on the baseball field. So when does he return to the baseball field? Oh, yeah. So um, later in April, I believe the uh, 25th is the last I had heard that. That's a very loose plan um, that they would want to see him in Gwinnett. Uh, and that's a very, very loose plan. So it obviously could change. But I know he um, he was not included or he did not participate in the um, the kind of the pregame introductions on opening day. Uh he was, you know, he was believed to not be there for those. Um, but he was there, you know, Saturday for the ring ceremony. And then Sunday, today, he was supposed to fly to Florida to kind of, you know, keep rehabbing uh, for the last couple weeks until they send him to Gwinnett. And, um, you know, so hopefully it would be, you know, early early May, first week of May, like they've said. Uh, it still seems like it's on track for that. Um, and... Yeah, another reason I think people are going to forget about that, uh, those Freddie Freeman Instagram comments are just because the guy is a great baseball player. (laughs) We can't deny that. Um, I think with every hit and every home run, um, people will not think about that. Heck, I don't really think many people care about that anymore. Um, Days after it happened, people probably, you know, maybe just didn't care the day it did happen. Um, so no, I, I think he's going to be a big addition to this team because, because you look at kind of the roster ripple effects, um, and the outfield gets shifted around the, uh, then, the, you know, when he returns, you figure the rosters are going to be at 26. So what are they going to do there? Um, and, but I think it's going to be, uh, if the lineup is going to look as good as it did this weekend or close to it against most teams without Acuna, um, you know, I think Braves fans are in for a real treat. All right, next up. Three with the Nationals at home. You know it's going to start on Monday. What happens from there? Yeah, so Tuesday is that sixth starter. They're going with that. They still haven't named anybody, still don't have anybody in mind. They're going to wait to see how they get there sort of thing, How they're what shape they're in um, after tomorrow. But, you know, it looks like, based on who's pitched already, it looks like it's it's got to be Davidson or, uh, or Strider. I mean, I think Strider, you know, could do it. Um, because he wouldn't have pit, you know, since Thursday, um, and so if you count, you know, the days there, he can he can pitch that day um, and be sort of an opener. Tucker Davidson can make that start. He's yet to pitch, um, so those two to me seem like the likeliest candidates. Uh, now they could use Colin McHugh as an opener. He's been, you know, he had two and a third scoreless innings, you know, in the series finale against the Reds, but you know, I don't see them doing that as much just because. I think he's an integral part of their bullpen right now, especially after losing Luke Jackson. So I would say Spencer Strider and Tucker Davidson seem like the two likely candidates there. Um, and then you roll on the next turn with Max Freed, um, you know, on on 
Wednesday or on Wednesday there, and then you're gonna go back to you know Charlie Morton starting um, Thursday in San Diego. Washington does avoid the four-game sweep with the win against the Mets on Sunday. And uh, this will be the first time the Braves have stepped into the division, of course, this year. And, and last year, the, the NL East was extremely mediocre. Uh, so let's first start with the, with the Nationals. And they've got Juan Soto at the core. Were you surprised they didn't really do well, anything else and just kind of decided to start over? Um, No, because I think uh, if you look at their roster, their, their farm system – isn't you know ter- hasn't been tremendous um in recent years and i think they just needed to start over because at a certain point you know i think they tried to spend money they had starlin castro they had you know they had um kyle schwarber um and like somebody like kyle schwarber that that really paid off for them i but i think they just realized they weren't good enough to pay somebody like that and it wasn't going to bring them you know enough victories to justify it so I'm really not surprised that it's Juan Soto, Nelson Cruz, um, and a bunch of others, you know, in there. Um, and I, you know, I think they've got a couple good young players, but it, it's going to be interesting because there's just not much in that lineup. And you look at the rest of the East, uh, like even Miami's gotten better. Um, and so, yeah, but I, I think the, the more concerning part is when you look at the pitching staff, um, Josiah Gray acquired in that, Trey Turner deal with the Dodgers last year um, is in the rotation. Um, Patrick Corbin is still in the rotation. Otherwise, you know, they just don't have much there. Uh, the Braves, you know, the Braves have to kind of be licking their chops, looking at that uh, pitching staff. The Mets uh, and the Phillies, though, have, have beefed up quite a bit. Did they do enough to knock off the Braves? I think so. Yeah, I think I think the Mets certainly did. Um, now, here's the qualifier. I don't know if they did, if Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer are not going to pitch. Max Scherzer is pitching, but, you know, he had that hamstring tweak. Jacob deGrom um, is having arm issues again. Uh, But I do think that the Mets have a good enough lineup to knock off the Braves. Um, I I don't think the Braves will run away with this division by any stretch, just because I think it's going to be a tough division with the Mets, the Braves, and the Phillies in there. But I do still think the Braves are the team to beat. I think their lineup is most complete. Um, you know, it's just going to be a matter of whether those other teams can take advantage of, you know, potential holes in the Braves' pitching staff. I think uh, Philly... Braves fans always kind of say, well, the Mets are eventually going to blow it. And, and eventually they do. But eventually Steve Cohen's going to spend enough money to get this thing figured out. And and he certainly has acquired a strong collection of talent, even though they, they're a little old. Oh, yeah. No, I think... Um, and that's that's always been the key there is that they needed somebody who was going to spend. And now the Mets have kind of taken place of the Yankees. Um, in that regard right now, they have Starling Marte, Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, uh, Max Scherzer's in the rotation. Um, they've got a really strong lineup. It's just going to be a matter of one, if they stay healthy and two, if they stay consistent. I mean, I think uh, they've just had ridiculously crazy collapses over the past couple of years, whether it happens in June um, or they just trail off like they did in the 60-game season. I, I think it's just they've got the collection of talent there, and the bullpen isn't bad. The rotation is good, especially if Carrasco is going to give you what he did uh, today, you know, in, in D.C. Um, but I just, you know, I just don't know. It, I'm Like with the Mets, I'll believe it when I see it because they've yet to do it, and that core that they have, you know, starting with Alonzo, McNeil, Nimmo, and then the guys they added to it, 
but that core itself just hasn't been to the postseason yet and, and hasn't done it. And so I'll believe it when I see it. Did the Phillies do enough to uh, fix their atrocious bullpen? Um, you know, that that remains to be seen. But I, I think the bigger part with them, to me, is are they going to be able to play any defense? I mean, you look at their lineup. Can they look, catch the baseball? Yeah, you you look at their lineup and – Man, they might need to uh they might need to win a lot of 7 to 6 games this year. I think um they look very flawed defensively. So I don't think their pitching staff anymore is is kind of the you know, really I don't think it, it shouldn't be quite the culprit it's been the last couple years um in the, especially in the back end, but uh especially because of their rotation. I think their rotation's got the ability to to shorten games for that group back there, so I don't think it'll be as bad as it's been. Um I just see their their defense is the likely issue, and the Marlins uh, got better too, which is which is nice to see. Right? No, they and they've. They, I mean, for a few years now, they've had the pitching, the young pitching. Um, they just haven't had the bats, and now getting somebody like Jorge Soler, um, you know, is going to be good for them. If if that lineup can score more runs, um, you know, you watch out because the pitching is pretty good. I just don't know how much that lineup's going to be, you know, able to score even with the additions that were made. Now, part of the reason we can make this podcast free for everybody is because of the subscribers to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And Since you're listening to this show, we know you love baseball, and since you do love baseball, the AJC has the perfect subscription package for you. We call it our season pass. You get unlimited digital access to all of Justin's Braves coverage, all of our columnists, and everything else the AJC has to offer for just $39.99. That'll be from now until the end of the World Series, or basically $1.25 a week, which is half of our regular price. Plus, we'll throw in a copy of the AJC's Braves Worth the, Worth the Weight Championship front page edition. So take advantage of this offer now and go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass for unlimited Braves coverage for just $39.99 for the 2022 season. All right, now to our mailbag where we take our listener questions from Justin's Twitter feed, and we will start with Matthew Bayer. Have you ever seen a fan base melt down after a 2-2 start the way the Braves fans are currently melting down? Yeah, no, I used to, uh, <laughs> because I used to cover the Mets, yes, nice. I have seen a fan base meltdown over um, over even, you know, decent starts. But I guess in their defense, uh, looking at last year specifically, they were right, so. Uh, Braves Twitter is, is is infamous for you know being a little irascible. Is Mets Twitter also famous for being a little impatient? I I would say Mets Twitter is worse in that way. Maybe nice. that's because I'm still getting accustomed to Braves Twitter. But I think ah, like you, you did just get here, right? Exactly. But man, the Mets Twitter is like, and I think it comes from having just seen so many years of like letdowns and like just awful fiascos on and off the field. Like it's the cynicism is it permeates Mets Twitter. Like it just like, it's like, it's like a gas that leaks everywhere. Um, everybody's cynical, but like, like I said, do you have, you know, can you really blame them? I mean, look at what's happened to that franchise, you know, over the last 10 years. Mets fan, cynical seems like the, the right word for, for Mets fans. Brace fans just get their hearts broke. Right. Right. And, and look like, you know, 28 to three, the UGA, um, the natty, you know, the game against Alabama, um the Braves in the playoffs multiple times um you know even going as recent as 2020 it's just I can understand why sometimes fans think it's a house of cards until you prove them otherwise um but I think 
Braves fans, it's it's going to be okay if you're one of the ones melting down after the two and two start. Uh, yeah, that you know, I'm not going to use last season as an example all the time because it's just um, it was just an anomaly. But it, it there there is a lot of baseball left to be played, um, even if you believe the team should have taken care of business more, you know, against the Reds. All right, serious questions now from Kyle Peacock. Is Matt Olson as slow as he looks on TV because it looks like he's running in slow motion on TV? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, well, I think Matt Olson has admitted he's not fast. I think uh, <laughs> he, he made a joke after Saturday's game, after he was thrown out at home plate twice in the same game, um, that, you know, if whoever whoever put that he was fast in the, the from Oakland in the scouting report for the Braves uh, was lying. No, so he, he is not fast. I don't think he's nearly as slow as as he looks though. I mean, I think like I saw Freddie Freeman, you know, run a lot like covering Mets Braves games. I don't think he's any, you know, I don't know. I don't really think he's any slower than Freddie or I think they're pretty much, you know, he's just a, he's just a big guy. I don't think he's, you know, as slow as a, you know, dinosaur or something. I just think he he's not a speedster. And those were those actually in general were two great plays. This is from Chris. He says Kenley Jansen's money is equal to the same amount of Archie Bradley, Jock Peterson, and Jonathan Villars combined. So would that money have been better spent on a slightly worse pin arm, but more bench depth? That's a great question. That's a really, really good question. Um, You know, you could make the argument that it would have. I just don't know if those three would have lined up. And I see your point, like more bench depth, not exactly, you know, those two bench guys. But I just think that for this roster um, and what the situation, the rotation, they needed an elite bullpen arm. And I know $16 million is a lot to pay for one, um, you know, especially because Kenley Jansen, you know, is still trying to prove he's still, you know, got it and, and still in the prime of his career. Obviously, he had a great year last year. Um, has shown not, you know, tons of signs of slowing down. He's still, you know, he can still be elite. Um, I think they needed that more so because they didn't know what they were going to get at the back end of the rotation and because of all the options, you know, going down from up and down from AAA. Um, I think it was their best bet to strengthen that bullpen. And especially with the DH, like I said earlier, I don't think I don't think that bench depth, you know, will stand out as much like a, as much as a sore thumb uh, like it would have in, a, you know, years where pitchers are hitting and you've got a pinch hit for for all of them. Um, but that's certainly a good question because it's close. I think they made the right call going with Kenley Jansen, but if it would have been those three, you know, Jock Peterson, um, Jonathan VR, uh, and then Archie Bradley, you know, I don't, I'm not super sold on Archie Bradley, so I don't think he makes you, you know, a ton better in the bullpen. Uh, the added bench depth would be nice, but then again, right now, the bench depth just has to show itself and being the DH. And I'm not sure that, you know, I'm sure Jock would have been perhaps maybe a, a better DH than, than Alex Dickerson. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure that Jonathan VR um, having covered him last year would give you, you know, a ton there. Um, so I think it's, I think it's almost even, I, I think they made the right call because an, an elite bullpen arm, when you're going to be playing a lot of close games, uh closer like Kenley Jansen, um, you know, now and in the postseason is going to do you a lot of good. From at Will Made Good, when Acuna comes back, how do you see the outfield shaking out? Is Dickerson the odd man out with Rosario moving to left? Yep, yep. Rosario in left, Duvall in center, um, and then um, Acuna in right. That 
means Ozuna is only going to have to, you know, he's only going to have to hit, he'll be the DH. Um, and I think, you know, Dickerson will be the odd man out, especially because uh, in terms of, you know, backup and depth, I think you go with Guillermo Heredia uh, just because of the defense and because he can get Adam Duvall off his feet, you know, in center field. Um, he can, you know, he can play everywhere. Um, and so I think, uh, I think that's, you know, more valuable to you. And I think, so I think unless Alex Dickerson goes on some sort of hot streak, um, it would seem like he would be the odd man out. So I, I would see them shaking out like that. Yeah. Cunha in right, Rosario in left, Duvall in center. Um, and it's going to become pretty tough for Alex Dickerson just because I think Heredia gives you the defense he doesn't. All right, we'll be doing the mailbag segment every Sunday night, so please uh, keep an eye on Justin's Twitter account. If you've got uh, any questions you want to ask him, pop it to us on Sunday, and we'll try to get on as many as we can. We're going to wrap up this show with our uh, winner of the first week of the season, and uh, Justin, I'll let you go first. And the winner of the week can be anything, and that's all we're going to say. It could be anything. I am going to go with the behind-the-scenes staffers on the Atlanta Braves. Uh, so the Braves actually ordered close to 1,000 World Series rings. Um, nice. Usually that doesn't happen with teams. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be the one footing the bill for that. Uh, but usually that doesn't happen with teams where more of just maybe the more prominent people get World Series rings. But I was told that every full-time employee um, in the organization will be receiving a World Series ring. So the big winners in that are those who maybe wouldn't have, you know, in other years with other teams. That's, that's a very good winner of the week. Um, my winner of the week is not that smart, um, but it is Kyle Wright, who looked great on Saturday. I feel like I got my confidence back um, really at the end of last year. Um, took it in the World Series in the spring training. So, you know, it's one thing to say you feel confident, get it back, but then to actually do it um, in a regular season game. So I felt, you know, felt like myself. I just kind of felt like he looked like a completely different guy from the outset of spring training when he came in, just a little more focused, driven. And I just, I heard the end of that. And I, I still think the best thing that ever happened to that kid was spending a whole year in AAA for when we need him. He kind of, you know, and, and he pitched and he figured out who he was and changed some things and just, you know, the experience, I think, of that. And then coupling that with what he did in the World Series, I mean, it springboarded him, I think, into the spring and gave him a new confidence. And really, I'm I'm just throwing Kyle right out there because that was my bold prediction. He's not going to get sent down this year, and so far I'm one for one. You're you're looking good. You're looking good. He actually, it was good to see because I think you had um, Grant. I've never covered him, but when he took that spot at the press conference table, you could you kind of see it in his face, hear it in his voice. Um, just kind of some of the relief. He felt like he got his confidence back. He felt like he'd put himself in a good spot to succeed this season. But as he said. Saying that, feeling that, and doing that, those those are different things. And so to actually do it had to have been validating. The curveball, which is his best pitch, looked great. And if he can give the Braves that, um, they're going to be, they should be a very good rotation if he can kind of even out. Like we've talked about in this podcast, it's almost, it seems like almost now, it's it's now or never for him. Um, the expectations have been so high. Uh, now it seems like he's, uh, you know, starting to, to put himself in a position to potentially reach them. But I know I think that's a, a good winner of the week, and uh, your prediction is looking good. Only one, so we got a long way to go. Uh, honorable mention, of course, uh, Spencer Strider throwing 100-plus uh, miles an hour. If anything, I, I was happy to execute the fastball up. That was a big, um, you know, that's really my, like, staple is, is it kind of builds my entire game. So um, struggling with that in spring training was a little frustrating, and 
there's a there's a not not doubt but some concern as to you know how exactly am I going to do something that I normally never have to think about and so this last week focused on it a lot and it's just it's just comforting to go out there and see that I was able to make that adjustment we hadn't seen him since but we certainly saw a lot oh yeah uh that was the he he's going to be worth the price of admission someday I think um just because of that velocity because of the stuff he has uh (laughs) the funny thing with him is like you wonder, and this is way too early because I think you know the Braves still see him as a starter. He's stretched out. He can be a very good starter, I think. But it's funny to see fans already like asking if he can, you know, if he's just better in the bullpen because he's got such great stuff. He's got the velocity; he can probably blow it out for an inning or two here or there. I think he's got the stuff to be a starter, um, you know. And I think you know they're going to keep him on that track um, for now. He's so young; he's still got developing to do. Uh, if he can, I mean, he just makes the bullpen much stronger. He's a guy that if he keeps pitching like that, he's not going to leave, you know, Atlanta this year either. Um, and so I think, uh, he's really valuable to them, especially if they want to go, you know, with a six man rotation, even past the first month. It's, it's tantalizing to watch anybody that can hit a hundred and start. It's, it's, it's worth exploring if he can do that over five or six innings. But we will dig into that later, so stick with us every Sunday night. Every Monday morning we'll be here for you recapping the, the week and, and bringing you all of our Braves coverage here on the AJC Braves Report podcast. If you have not done so yet, please remember to rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe this show to please help us grow, and we will continue to come to you every week on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.